Well, today, Acts 19, part 1. Well, today's text is geographically located in Ephesus, which was one of the largest cities in that day. It's kind of like a modern New York, if you think of it like that, in population and commerce. Today, the Lord, through Paul, is going to bestow upon believers spiritual gifts that are specific to the tasks at hand and where they are engaged at. And we're going to use some questions today to speak about spiritual gifts as he brings to light the spiritual gifts that he bestows. We're going to use that to help us understand a little bit about spiritual gifts. Now, one of the things I didn't mention uh, in the um, announcements, but I believe it's on the website, correct? And if you have our app, there are two links that you can go to if you'd like to do a spiritual gift survey to help to sort of determine what your spiritual gifts are. One of them's real easy. It's 80 questions. It's all online. The other one's printed out. It's a little more in-depth. But just remember this. If you choose to use it, it's garbage in, garbage out. Okay? You can't answer the question how you would want other people to think you are. You have to answer the questions as how you really are. Amen? Gives you a good idea. So let's get started with verses 1 through 7 and see where we go. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corneth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that being Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Amen. Now, we don't have time to go into the whole laying on of the hands and the Holy Spirit. I've got about a three-part series on the Holy Spirit we do during basic Christianity. But today we are going to talk about the spiritual gifting a bit. But first, I want to bring this up. Verse 1, it says, Paul goes to Ephesus because where the city is and what the city is sort of helps us to understand the gifts that were given at that time. UNESCO, the World Heritage Group, says the city of Ephesus was one of the largest and most important cities in the ancient Mediterranean world. Lying on the western coast of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey, the city was a western terminus of east-west trade with one of the most important Mediterranean harbors for exporting products to Greece, Italy, and the rest of the Roman West. The city itself developed around an ancient shrine, the goddess Artemis, or Diana, and later, from the beginning of the Christian era, became a key city in the expansion of Christianity, from which St. Paul launched many of his missions, end quote. So, Paul shows up at Ephesus, and he finds some disciples there. It's a very important city. People that speak all kinds of languages, that come from all kinds of countries, are doing commerce there. But obviously, when he met these guys, he thought, mm, something is not quite right. You ever met a friend like that? Sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to look at you. But you know where it's like, you're not quite right? I say that because you know he just bought a truck, right? He got a four-wheel drive with a big cattle bumper on the front. And I'm like, you need, you need to Yankee that up just a little bit because it's not quite right for someone from Maryland. 
but he's where I'm thinking a bill sticker in the back would be good. But uh, does good. So Paul ends up at Ephesus, and he asks, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, why would he ask that question? We can only surmise that the work that they were doing for the Lord or the teaching they were teaching for the Lord was clearly being done on their own steam or without the power of the Spirit of God behind them. We see that something today when someone comes to work in ministry, but the work they work only through their natural talent rather than through the gifting of the Spirit. I know this sounds confusing, so let's take a look a little bit about gifts, talents, and skills, and the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, a natural talent is defined as a physical ability to do special things. Some natural talents might be musical ability, musical ability, carpentry, mechanical aptitude, and artistic skills. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability or unction which empowers us to do certain things for the kingdom of God. Spiritual gifts are non-physical. They can't be touched with physical hands, but they are an expression of our uniqueness or our calling. Gifts are distributed to individuals, Christians, by the Holy Spirit that allows us to work and Him to work through our lives to help the church execute its mission on earth. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. First Peter tells us, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. One key word in all those passages concerning spiritual gifts is each. Given to each person, each has received given to each one of us the spiritual gift. Now, my granddaughter, Addie, just had her sixth birthday. We're there Saturday, and she's got all her gifts, and they're, they're all sitting there in front of her, and she's opening them up, and the rest of the kids are sitting around her, and what do the rest of the kids want to do? Help her open them gifts, don't they? They want to play with those gifts. They want to, they, they want to jump in there and get those gifts. But right then, those gifts were just specifically for her. They were her specific birthday gifts. That's not the way it is uh, when you have a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are supposed to be shared, and they're given to us on our birthday as well. They're on our rebirthday. When we are born again, we get them, and we are meant to give them away and share them with others. So each of us has a spiritual gift if we are a born-again believer. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, share your gift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. That's exactly what we're supposed to do is share them gifts. Now, natural talents are often the vehicle through which spiritual gifts can be used. Here's an example. A Christian vocalist may have a spiritual gift of evangelism. He expresses it through musical talent. A talent is something you're born with. Some kind, sometimes called a natural ability, okay? Talents are not gifts in that giving them away is not the only way they can be used. They can be used for ourselves, amen? Some folks might be good singers, but only sing to themselves, right? Like in the shower or to make themselves happy. Some of you were very glad that's where you sing. Some may paint, but they might only paint for themselves. They don't paint for everybody else. That's okay. I've tried to play a multitude of musical instruments, but I don't have... 
rhythm, right? I don't have that talent. Talents can be seen as channels through which our gifts are served to the church and the world, okay? Skills, unlike gifts and talents, they come by intuition. Skills come by tuition. Yes, sir. That's all right. Baby issues. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the child not even not scream or puke. May the poop be on someone else. Amen. So anyway, talents come by intuition. Skills come by tuition. Okay? So they're learned. They are learned, developed through training. I have some skill in playing the guitar, but I like the talent. And it's definitely not a gift to witness with. When we take a natural talent, increase it in skill, then if the Holy Spirit places a spiritual gift on us, we could become the best we can possibly be. Uh, have any of you ever seen the movie uh, from Mercy Me about how the song um, I Can Only Imagine was written? Okay, so it's a perfect example. You literally walk through what I just said. Okay, so here's a little boy, all right? He wants to play the guitar. He starts playing the guitar early. Turns out he's got a talent for it. Somebody sees it. They work with him. He continues to play the guitar, okay, until he gets skillful with the guitar. Then pretty soon he's, he starts writing a little music and he starts singing a little song. He even gets with a band. It's even a Christian band. And they're trying to play Christian music and they play covers, but they're they're like the disciples at Ephesus that Paul found. They're serving the Lord, but there's something missing, okay? They don't have the unction of the Holy Spirit upon them yet. So anyway, in this story, if you get a chance to watch this movie, which is a sort of a documentary of this guy's life, he's got to go back through, and he's got to deal with all that painful crap in his life, okay, that happened. And until he's ready to recognize it, repent, and or forgive, the Holy Spirit will not pour out the gift upon him. But then when he does, the Holy Spirit pours out this spiritual gift upon him. And all of a sudden, we have a song that is completely timeless. Amen? I can only imagine what it's like when we get there. And it'll be, they'll be singing that long after we're gone. So he had a talent. He combined it with a skill because he kept working at it. And then when the Holy Spirit empowered him, it was like a chord of three. Now that chord of three is stronger and better and works more efficient than just two. Amen? We read an example in Exodus 28.3, literally. He says, instruct those to whom I have given a special skill as a tailor to make the garments that will set him apart from others, so that he may minister to me in a priest office. A talented tailor who worked to be skilled at what he was doing is gifted by the Spirit to use his ability to minister by making priestly garments. Now, I wanted to point that out because, see, sometimes we think the only time our spiritual gift comes into play is when Clancy's up here crooning to the, to the audience or something. You know, you, you think you got to be a singer or a guitar player or, or whatever. That's not it. We each have a spiritual gift. It's clear there's passage after passage after passage that talks about it. 
And they're not just the ones that stand up here on the podium. As a matter of fact, we're going to go through a couple of them here. Now, Paul must have seen or heard that the spiritual unction needed to be happening, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Back to verse 4, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one he had to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Now, i got to ask you a question. How many people in here have been baptized? A pile of you, right? Okay, so that's what happened to these guys. Now, let me ask you this. When you were baptized, did you begin speaking in tongues and prophesying? Well, you must not be real Christians. That's not it at all, is it? Special gifts, certain gifts for certain people. Okay? Now, did you receive the Holy Spirit upon being baptized? Yes, you did. John says this in Luke. I baptize with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap whose sandals I may not be worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So the second question we ask about gifts is... Are gifts always immediately and clearly seen? No, they're not. But they will each receive or recognize them when an unction or an urging of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I've been a born-again believer for about four years, was waiting to be baptized. You know, I was that deal where, you know, I wanted to be baptized in the creek and the mountains, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And the Lord said, Tim. (laughs) Yes, Lord. (laughs) Get in the water now. And it was kind of like that. And I'm like, okay. So I came and I told Andy, I said, Andy, I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized right away. We're over here in this little building. And he baptized me. And little did I know why God was so insistent on me getting in those waters. Because he was going to pour out on me a spiritual gift. (sighs) One I'm still trying to grapple with. Because within six months of going into those waters, I was in the water saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if you'd have told me that when he said, get in the waters, I'd have said, no, Lord. Let me wait. I'm not ready. But that's how God works. He knows it's his timing. It's his gifts. And he took a talent that I had, all right, which was public speaking, all right, and and honed it over years in the corporate world, placed a spiritual gift upon it, and now I can preach the Word of God with the power of the Spirit. Amen? That's how God works. Romans 12, 6 says, According to the grace given us, if we have different gifts of prophecy, use it according to the standard of faith. If your gift is service, use it in service. If it's teaching, use it in teaching. If it's exhorting, in exhortation. How many people ever thought that if you're an encourager, that's a spiritual gift? Let me ask you this. Out of all the spiritual gifts that you're aware of, how important is it to to know somebody who's an encourager? Is it? Because the majority of the people are not, correct? Right? Sorry, Rob, I didn't mean to look at you. But, you know, naturally encouraging person, all right? 
I'd love an encourager. They're so important in everybody's life. How about if your spiritual gift is giving, give with generosity. Did you know that giving was a spiritual gift? There's a story that R.C. Sproul tells about when the guy was a, he was, he was a monster in business. And he said, R.C., I think, you know, he just came in love with the Lord. He says, I think I want to become a pastor. And R.C. took him through all these scriptures and all this stuff. And he was hesitating. And R.C. said, I'm going to tell you why you're hesitating. Let me tell you why you're hesitating. Because you have the gift of generosity. You continue with what you're doing. You'll be able to supply the needs of 100 people in ministry. Where if you quit your job, you quit business and just preach, you'll be able to supply the needs of your small congregation, whoever that is. So giving is a spiritual gift. Leading, lead with diligence. If you show mercy, do so with, with cheerfulness. Here's more gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different gifts with the same spirit, different ministries with the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God is active in everyone and everything. A manifestation of the spirit is given to who? Each person to produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit. Another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith. To another, gifts of healing. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, different kinds of languages, to another, interpretation of languages. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. One biblical commentator places these gifts in four, com in four categories. He says, there's establishing gifts that are gifts that are used primarily for planting and growing churches, administrative and leadership gifts, used to organize the church, supporting gifts so the church may best carry out its responsibility, and ministry gifts that are the tools that the Holy Spirit utilizes for ongoing ministry in the church. You can be sure that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as not just a Savior but Lord, you have received a spiritual gift. The question is, do you recognize it? Are you using it? Or have you let it lay fallow? You need to figure out what yours is, and you need to allow the Spirit to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this word, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. One article on spiritual gifts gives this advice to ascertain your gifts. It says, as I study how gifts operate in the Bible, do any resonate within my soul? What do I enjoy doing? What is the Holy Spirit telling me? What gifts do others see me operating in? That's probably the best one. Whenever we're trying to figure out what our spiritual gift is, the best thing to do is ask somebody else. Because you, you rarely recognize it, right? But they're going to tell you, look, man, this is your gift. You know, this is your gift. Number five was what gifts do others see you're operating in? As we engage in Christian service and obedience, others may see a gift long before we see it. The last sentence tells us that something we want, something so bad, that if we think we tell ourselves enough, it might be so. This is where we get in trouble if we try to work in a spiritual gift that's not ours, okay? But you know how it is sometimes if you keep telling yourself it'll be? You've run across preachers like that, right? They kept telling themselves, I'm supposed to be a preacher, I'm supposed to be a preacher, I'm supposed to be a preacher. And you go to listen to them, and what is it? It's a bedtime sermon every time. Right, Because they will put you to sleep. They just don't have the gifting to be that spiritual commentator that is required. 
Maybe you know the same thing with someone who's cooks or is a baker. She believes or he believes they are the best cake baker in the world. And every time they invite you over to try a new cake recipe, what do you do? <laughs> Just cringe a little bit, right? But they've convinced themselves they are. Now, just because you want it doesn't make it so. God says we need to have some supernatural working here. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them again, speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now, does any of that sound familiar? What happened when Pentecost came and they were in Jerusalem? Same thing, right? They had 12 guys. They had this huge city. They had people from all over the world coming. So what did God do? He laid on them the gifts of prophecy and tongues so that everyone there said, I hear these men speaking in my own language. How is that possible? This is exactly the same gifts now that God gives to these men in Ephesus. God knew the kind of spiritual gifts that were needed in that congregation at that time and that place. He does that continuously wherever you are. You just have to watch for it. Verse 8 says, They entered the synagogue, and for three months Paul spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when someone, some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, took his disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. By the way, if you're... You want to look that place up? That's historical fact, too. You can see where that school is there in Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. That is basically the eastern part of the known world at that time. And God knew the kind of gifts and miracles that were needed to go along with the preaching of the word in that particular place at that particular time. That's why he granted that body of believers those spiritual gifts. He supplied to them those who were evangelizing, and to Paul, who was the chief evangelist, to do a work of God with the power of God. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched them were taken to the sick, and their illness were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Any of us who have been believers for any length of time have been witness to God's miracles, his intervention, in the things that we call miracles. We never know when he will choose to do them or who they choose to do them with or why he chooses to do them at that time. But when they happen, they are unmistakable. Amen? Let me end with a short story. This was in 2016 or 2015. It says, Police Officer Tyler Meadows first arrived at the scene of a deadly car wreck on a frigid day in March 2015. He had no idea what he was about to experience, but it changed his life. He was there at the police department with three other guys. He said it all unfolded on a quiet Sunday morning. He said he was eating lunch with his wife and kids, but had a gut feeling he needed to go and assist fellow officers at the call of this wreck. He says, we got there at the Spanish Fork River for an overturned car. At that time, we weren't aware anyone was inside. Then something unbelievable happened. When Beddoes and his fellow officers reached the scene and started walking down the riverbank towards the overturned vert, vehicle, they all simultaneously heard a clear and distinctive voice. We all heard an adult female voice, which was a calm voice saying, help me, help me. This voice really guided us to the car and gave us hope that whoever was calling out was still alive. 
He says, but here's the crazy part. Once the officers reached the vehicle, they quickly realized that the adult female inside had been deceased for quite some time. Later they found out she died on impact 14 hours earlier. That said, the woman's daughter, an 18-month-old baby named Lily, was still alive, yet unconscious, in the back seat of the vehicle. Realizing time was of the essence, they rushed and tried to save her. He says, we realized Lily had been upside down in an overturned car in freezing temperatures for 14 hours, the only company being her dead mother. He said, this really rocked my world. I was in pure shock. I instantly thought of my own children, my newborn child, the love of parents have for children. He says, it was the question of the voice that persisted, as there was no natural explanation surrounding who was calling us. They all clearly heard the voice, though there were no other people around at the scene. Eventually, that led them to the car. The only explanation was divine intervention. Lily's mother, Jennifer, had been killed on impact. Lily had been unconscious in a freezing state, couldn't have spoken. I know that angels are messengers and protectors, he says. I have no doubt that when we were guided by an angel that had stayed to assure Lily was safe until rescuers arrived. Bedso also believed God was trying to send him a message to the incident as he was going through a difficult situation at the time the accident occurred, describing himself as being trapped in a downward spiral. I don't know if it was the 10 years police work, the bad calls I had prior, the negative impact on the world, but I felt I was on the edge of a cliff. He says, how the event changed everything. Lily lost her mother, which I can't imagine, but hearing the voice, receiving the feeling I had, and seeing that God helps us, he sends help for us and watchers over us, really changed me. Bedsoe said that the experience caused him to look entirely different at the world, rediscovering his belief in the idea that God will always come through. In the end, hearing the voice and coming to these realizations offered me hope. As for Lily, said she's doing amazingly well, now lives with her father. Remarkably, she has no health issues or permanent injuries from the accident. It's been almost two years to the day, and Lily has no side effects, which is truly a miracle, he said. She is such a blessing, and so many, and I am fortunate to know her. Amen. Thus is the work of the miracles of God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you have placed these things in your book so that we may know. We thank you that you continue to show us your love, your care, and your amazing work through your Holy Spirit. Father God, we pray that you continue to show us that. Pour out your Spirit upon us. Let us recognize your gifts. Let us not keep them for ourselves and then lose them over time. But Father, let us recognize them and let us serve your body in Jesus Christ's name, church said, amen. amen.